Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Now, the uh, ungodly, unbelieving uh, world will teach you how to be a failure. <laughs> And if you listen to the wrong things, it won't make you strong. It'll pull faith out of you. It'll put fear into you. It'll make you weak. And the weaker you are spiritually inside, the more daunting everything seems to be. So many times uh, people are acting like, you know, it's just so hopeless. And, and the reality is that the problem is not that big. Other people are overcoming it. But when you're weak, everything seems impossible. The stronger you get on the inside and the more aware you become of the almighty God, the smaller the problems appear. Hallelujah. Everybody said out loud, greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. The mighty God lives in me. Hallelujah. First John says, if you're born of God, you're an overcomer. It is in your spiritual makeup not to quit and give up and be defeated. It's in your spiritual DNA, if you will, being born of God to overcome, to win, to be victorious. And the Bible said if we keep our eyes on him and follow him, he always causes us to triumph. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom with us. Turn off everything else. Don't, don't be distracted. People say, well, I'm a, I'm a good multitasker. Nobody can do three things at once. All you can do is dart back and forth between them. And when you do, when you go from here to here, you're missing something over here. Maybe not much, but you're missing something. And so God's Word deserves your full attention. Do you believe that, class? Give it your full attention. Just a few minutes. The class doesn't even last that long. So, uh, Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for the utterance, the anointing, the direction, the help for now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you look, please, in Hebrews, the third chapter, Hebrews chapter 3, the scripture that we've been looking at for um, some time now in a series that we're calling overcoming unbelief. Hebrews 3 and 7, it says, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, uh, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. He's talking about that first generation uh, of the seed of Abraham, Israelites, that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage. His plan was to take them straight to the promised land, but they didn't make that. They uh, uh, kept choosing 
to doubt, choosing not to believe. And after 10 major failures in that, uh, they kept saying, we're all going to die out here. And that's one of the characteristics of unbelief. It is negative. It talks failure. It talks death. Uh, faith, you know, even calls those things that be not as though they were. The Bible said, let the weak say what? I'm not I'm weak. Not I'm not going to make it. But the, let the weak say. If, if, he says, let the weak say. So how does the weak look? Weak. <laughs> right? How does the weak feel? Weak. But let the weak say. See, now this is not how most people think. And you'll even, even have people argue, you know, about it. So, well, I'm not going to say I'm strong and I'm not. Well, if you felt and looked strong, you wouldn't need to say that you are. And, and that, again, goes over people and say, they're like, What? No, I can't. And what they're doing is insisting on walking by sight. I only believe what I see, what I feel, and if I don't see it, and the truth is, that's too late for faith. People say, well, seeing is believing. No, it's not. Seeing is seeing. And the Bible said faith is the evidence of things not seen. So when you see it, you're too late for faith about that thing. No, faith will, will call yourself strong when you feel like you can't get out of bed. And that's what you, it's not, you know, that you, you're saying you feel that way or that you look that way. You're not saying that's what the doctor's report is or that's what the tests show. You're using your faith to change it. And you call it, call it, and it comes to you. Hallelujah. Call it. And it comes into existence. That's how God operates. I mean, the very planet that we're on, he called it into existence with his faith. He said, light be, or light become. Well, there was no light before he said it. What if God had said, well, I can't say there's light and there ain't no light out there. I'll have to wait till I see. There never would have been any, Right? So, so what the scriptures say, let the weak say, I am strong. Got nothing to do with how you feel or how you look. Everybody said out loud, I call myself strong. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put your hands on your body somewhere. Say, so I, I call my body healed. I call my body whole. I call my body strong. Now see, if you have some particular thing that hasn't been working right, kidneys, knee, lung, blood, liver, whatever it is, that's your body part. You have more right to speak to that and speak over that than anybody else. And you don't just want to talk about my bad knee my bad, my weak, this, my, you know, and you certainly don't want to talk about my cancer. You don't want to claim it. Even if it's attacking you, you don't want to partner with it. You don't want to make room for it. You want to resist it. And if a body part's been damaged, talk to it. Talk to your knee. Put your hands on it and say, knee, be restored. 
knee, be healed in the name of Jesus. Somebody can receive that right now. Put your, put your hand on your wrist or your shoulder or your knee or if it's a hip or whatever it is. Say it out loud, in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Uh, whatever the body part is, say, hip, be healed in Jesus' name. Whatever, whatever the part is, uh, neck, uh, shoulder, wrist, be healed. Somebody say, be healed. Be healed. In Jesus' name. You understand it's got nothing to do with how you feel or how you look. And uh, that's, that's, you know, faith uh, is expressed. The number one way it's released is through the words of your mouth. That's how you got born again. One of the biggest miracles you'll ever receive. You believed it in your heart and you said it with your mouth. Hallelujah. Uh, He's saying there that these people did not get that faith pleased God. Verse 10, he said, I was grieved with that generation and said, they always err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, now he's talking to us, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Spiritual influences are very real. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, it refers to Satan as the God of this world. Ephesians 2 refers to him as the prince of the power of the air and the spirit of disobedience that works through the whole, uh, through the whole earth. Uh, the enemy and his uh, cohorts, those under him, they're endeavoring and all too successfully influencing people, influencing people to doubt God, reject God, influencing people to rebel and defy, influencing people to be selfish and violent with each other. Uh, That's the influence of the ungodly. But there's also the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And there's God's influence. And his holy angels are at work as well. And he will influence us to the love of God. He'll influence us to words of life and to deliverance and healing and victory and and joy and peace and all of those things. And so they were yielding to the wrong influences. And they kept doing it over and over again. And you got to watch about uh, patterns and, um, you know, learned behavior that becomes a rut. After you've done something for years, especially after you've done something for decades, it's easy to just slide back into that same rut without even thinking about it because you've just done it so many times. But what people don't realize is when they're doing that many times, they're yielding to wrong spirits. Not that they're possessed, But these spirits from the outside are influencing with thoughts and feelings. But it's up to us whether we do it or not, whether we yield to it or not. The Spirit of God endeavors to influence people many times, and they won't listen to Him. They won't yield to Him. And some do. Same with the enemy. He can't make you do anything. Come on, somebody said out loud, the devil cannot make me do anything. See, all he can do is come and whisper thoughts 
and bring feelings. He can try to put pressure. He can tempt. He can do, but he can't make you do anything. Come on, say it again. The devil devil cannot cannot make me me do anything. anything. Now we're talking about him and all all the evil spirits that work with him. Uh, They will come every day's a day that you've got to live in this world and deal with this kind of thing, influences are around. But you can choose to yield to the Spirit of God. He said, I was grieved with them because they always err. They always go the wrong direction. I, I could say it like this. They, they're yielding to the wrong influences. And they've not known my ways, God's ways. And he, you remember he said in Isaiah that his ways are higher than man's ways. How many believe that? To tell you, his ways are higher. They're, they're better. They're, they're holy. They're life. They're truth. Come on, say it out loud. Pray it out loud. Father God, Father God teach, me teach me your ways, your, ways. your, high, ways. your high ways. Hallelujah. And what will happen is he'll answer that prayer, and you'll realize you'll start to do something, and he'll show you, and you realize, uh-oh, that's not his way. <laughs> that was something I saw somebody else do, or that was my way. And, and you can stop that and change that and do it his way. Uh, his way is the best way. It is the right way. Is that true? Yes. Every time, in every situation, there's a best way and right way to do everything, and it's, it's his way. So he said, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This is uh, one of the reasons why we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together We're supposed to come together, be in church families, fellowship with each other, be under, you know, and a part of good ministry where we're fed, and to, notice this phrase, to um, exhort one another daily. What? Don't yield to wrong influences like they did. Don't be slow to believe and drag your feet and not, not trust God and not obey. Be quick to believe. Be quick to repent. Be quick to submit to God. Be quick to obey God. Can you see? How many think it's a good idea to be around godly influences, right? People that are obeying God themselves and encouraging you to obey God instead of hanging around with a bunch of hoodlums, (laughs) a bunch of rebels that, that don't want to listen to anybody. You know, go to 1 Corinthians if you would. (laughs) <laughs> First Corinthians, the fifteenth uh, chapter. First Corinthians fifteen and thirty-three. It says, "Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners." First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. Don't be deceived. What does that mean? Why would the Lord tell you don't be deceived? Because if you don't pay attention and listen to Him you probably will be. There's a real danger here of you being what? If you're deceived, you think something's true that's not true. Or uh, you see uh, the other way around. 
Uh, and just like he says, uh, evil communications corrupt good manners, well, you think, oh, no, that won't happen to me. I can, I can hang around these folks and I can, you know, go the places they go and then it won't affect me. He said, don't be deceived. It will affect you. It will influence you. You can't just hang around something all the time without it influencing you. And people that you're around a lot, whatever spirits they yield to can influence you too depending on how much involved with them that you are. The Bible said in Proverbs, says, He that walks with wise men shall be wise. Well, what happened there? You hung around, right? <laughs> with smart people and people that had some understanding and people that had some wisdom. And then next thing you know, somebody hadn't seen you in a few months, they're talking to you, and they go, man, when would you get so smart? You know? <laughs> Where did you learn all that? Well, it's who you've been hanging around, right? And who, who's the best one you could ever hang around? The Holy Spirit. Is that right? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Master, Jesus. And, uh, but that can influence you through people because He's in people. And some people yield to him a lot more than others. And so there's going to be utterance coming through them more than others. And so it's, it's the proverb said, a companion of uh, the rest of the verse said, you know, he that walks with wise men will be wise. But the rest of the verse said, a companion of fools will be destroyed. Uh, people who rebel against God and won't repent. The Bible said, if you won't judge yourself. You'll be judged. And that's not God's choice. That's not even his will or his plan. But if you won't listen and you're unwilling to change, there'll come a point where uh, judgment will catch up with you and destruction will. You know, the scripture said in Proverbs again that if you've been often reproved and you harden your neck, you stiffen your neck. Isn't that what we've just been reading about? That it said you'd be uh, destroyed suddenly without remedy. Well, that's, again, that's not God's will, but that's what happens. There, there are spiritual laws that govern things. And Romans 3 said the wages of sin is what? Yeah. It's death. Now, that's not, you know, just somebody's idea. Uh, that's a law. That's how it works. There is sin and then there is death. Uh, that's, that follows, unless you repent. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. So sometimes people will say, well, you know, you sowed it. You're going to have to reap it. Not if somebody else reaped it for me. Is that right? Uh -uh, that's what redemption is all about. That's what substitution is all about. That Jesus, he certainly didn't deserve any punishment. He hadn't sinned. And yet he went to the cross, he took judgment in our place, he was judged, and he didn't do it. So if he paid for it, then even though he, he took what he didn't deserve, then I don't have to get it even though I did deserve it. Best deal you ever made. Is that right? His uh, redemption, substitution is what happened there. Now notice he said in, in this passage that the evil communications corrupt good manners. Go with me back to Numbers, the 16th chapter. We've been studying one by one these cases 
where they failed to believe God, because the New Testament tells us to, both there in Hebrews, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us to, to note this and be warned by this. We've seen 1 through 10, events 1 through 10. Now we're down to number 11 in chapter 16 of what happened with Korah and his rebellion. Verse 1, chapter 16, Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. They rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, and gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said to them, you take too much on you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them. Wherefore or why then do you lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Now we're talking about influence and spiritual influences. And this is uh, basically a, an uprising, a, a, an internal coup, if you will, to an attempt to overthrow God's chosen leadership, Moses and Aaron. And uh, there were 250 well-known leaders of the tribes that were involved in this, as well as Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Uh, so this didn't happen just in one afternoon. There were a lot of covert meetings behind the tents, is that right, or late at night, and this somebody, you know, um, got a burr under their saddle uh, about some of this, and so they start talking to somebody else, and I just, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, who does Moses think he is, you know, who put him in charge, and, and so then they decided, the three of them went and talked to uh, some of the other guys, and and then they had a meeting with some of uh, these five, ten tribal leaders. And it, it expanded until there are hundreds of, not just people, leaders. Hundreds of famous princes that are like, yeah, we are going to put a stop to this Moses and Aaron, thinking they're in charge of everybody and thinking they can tell us all what to do. And it was a full-blown rebellion against God. Now they saw it as just they had a problem with Moses and Aaron. And when they said, who, you know, uh, why do you lift yourself up above the congregation of the Lord? Whose idea was it uh, for them to lead the people? It, was it Moses' idea? No, you know, God had to talk to him. You remember at the burning bush? You Moses was like, no, you don't. I, I can't talk well. And I'm paraphrasing, you know, they got wanted posters of me back in Egypt at the post office. I'm a wanted man. And no, you don't. I mean, finally, the Lord had to get straight with him and, and, and say, well, uh, your brother's coming. I'll use him. And basically, this conversation's over. Come on, we're going. And it was not Moses uh, exalting himself. It wasn't that he had this selfish uh, ambition to lord it over the people, that was an absolute lie. But what you'll find is the reality was these people sought uh, leadership. 
They are trying to exalt themselves. And that's what you'll see over and over again. Romans 2 says, uh, the one that judges is guilty of the same thing. And you'll find that when people are uh, accusing, accusing that uh, repeatedly they are the ones that are doing the thing they are judging somebody else of. You remember the Bible talks about that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And you don't want to be a party to that, do you? You do not want to let the enemy use your mouth, right, to express and vocalize his accusations, against, especially against the brethren, especially against God's anointed leaders, right? And, and, but can you see the enemy's always trying to do that? And see, these influences are here. And, and even good people can get caught up in it because these spirits are very convincing. I mean, they are, they've been around for who knows how long. And they are expert at conning and duping human beings. And so I'm sure that the, you know, uh, Dathan and Abiram and on and, and these, um, all these 250, these are leaders. I mean, they're leaders for some reason. They got something going on for them. And yet they all became convinced. We got to get rid of this Moses. We got to get rid of Moses and Aaron. We, they're the problem. We got to get rid of them. And, and they are, who, who do they think they are? They're trying to be a prince over us. They're trying to dominate us and, and rule over us. And it was all lies. Now, why are we talking about this in faith school? Because this is given to us, referred to multiple times in the New Testament, as an example of evil unbelief. You know, one thing that you'll see is uh, Moses, the Spirit of God revealed to Moses that they were trying to usurp and take over the priesthood. There's a verse that refers to that here. And what you'll see is it takes faith to wait on God to promote you. Unbelief is impatient. And unbelief says, I can't wait on, on God. I got to do this thing myself. Huh? Take it in your own hands. You know, I could do a better job than them. We got to put them out. Huh? And, and God is not in it. It takes faith. Even if you're seeing people make mistakes, even if you think you know some things and, and got some qualifications, which probably less than what you actually do. <laughs> Maybe a lot in your head. But it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it. Once you start doing it, you get a lot of revelation. But you see what I'm talking about? It takes faith, even when you see glaring issues and mistakes, to say, hey, God put them in. He can take them out if he wants them out. And if he wants me to do something else, he is well able to, to promote me at the right place, at the right time. God's not opposed to you being promoted and exalted. He's opposed to you doing it. Right? You got to wait on him his way, his timing. Can you say amen? And our, our time is up for the day. 
Uh, come back tomorrow. There's a lot more to see. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 